Same music, please. Aloha, I'm Mick Calber. How's it? I'm Bruce Omari, and you are... On, on Hawaiian, Hawaiian Time. Hey, you guys, throughout this podcast, Bruce and I, along with my trophy wife, Anne, and our illustrious producer, Tim, are going to talk story, unfiltered, about life in Hawaii. What it's like out here on the Big Island, what it's like during volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, tsunami watches, even nuclear missile threats from North Korea, all the crazy things that happen out here. We've got a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about some of our favorite Big Island beaches. We're also going to talk about current business climate here and how some of us are trying to come up with different ideas to get by. There are a lot of creative types out here, and we hope our conversations will inspire those of you who are having to reinvent yourself in this COVID-19 era. Mick, you're a documentary maker specializing in volcanoes. Yep, that would be me. I call myself a volcanographer. That's a combination of a photographer and a volcanologist. I'm not a volcanologist, but I am a volcanographer. And Bruce is a professional photojournalist who owns Extreme Exposure Gallery in downtown Hilo, also with an emphasis on the volcanoes here in Hawaii. How did you two first get together? Bruce and I have been fighting the volcano now for, what's it been, Bruce, six years? Six yeah, years. Yeah. Since 2014. Yep. And, uh, you know, at some point we decided to start up Hot Seat Hawaii because we always had one extra seat. Yeah, so you guys fly in the, the, the helicopter, doors off, you're videoing, Bruce well, is taking stills. Yeah, just, just to make it clear, we don't fly the helicopter. Sometimes people get confused. We are not the pilots. Bruce shoots stills, <laughs> I shoot video. You know, we, we, we used to go up and fly. The volcano's not erupting at the moment. We used to go up and fly uh, wherever she was erupting and document what was happening and have a good time. So how are you dealing with it, Bruce? How are you coping with the economic uh, fallout from the COVID-19 crisis? Remember when you used to take clients out, Bruce? <laughs> Let me think. That was a long time ago. <laughs> it'll, come, it'll come back to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough economy right now, man. You know, we, we've, my wife and I have applied for unemployment and we've applied for those SBA loans, um, the disaster relief stuff and the paycheck protection thing and, um, you know, in hopes that uh, we can receive some funds to keep our gallery going. But like right now, this is about the time of year when I prep our calendar, our lava calendar for the following year. And um, this year, because the gallery is closed, we're not able to, to fund that. We don't have that cash flow. I mean, we're draining our reserves pretty quickly. So yeah, we're thinking about maybe crowdsourcing or crowdfunding the calendar. Not sure if that's a viable idea or not because everybody else is in the same boat. Mm. But, yeah, got to get creative here, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure people are out there wanting, you know, to support people and people like you that give back to the community and, and also support your, your great photography. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been making posts about, um, you know, supporting our local community through Activate Hawaii Aid. Org. So any purchases they make during this time, you know, we'll give back 20% of our net proceeds to, to help out the community. If you did a, uh, 
a crowdsourcing or rather a crowdfunding thing for the calendar, what, what would you use? Would you use GoFundMe or Kickstarter or have you thought about it? Yeah, I kind of like that, the idea of, you know, to provide this opportunity for um, followers or people that are interested in purchasing the calendar, um, providing that opportunity with no risk so that uh, um, Kickstarter thing kind of looks interesting because, you know, if we don't reach our goal, then the, their money, they get their money back. And uh, yeah, wouldn't want to be stuck with like half the money and not be able to go through with the project because I need a minimum amount to, to make this feasible for us. So I think Kickstarter is, is looking good at this point. I got to do more research on that though. Would you mind sharing with us what the minimum is you'd need to raise to get the, the print done for the, the calendars? Yeah, it's a total of about $15,000 uh, to get the, um, you know, the calendars printed. We've been printing roughly about 3,000 calendars every year. And, um, you know, cost comes out to about four bucks a piece. And with the shipping, shipping runs anywhere from two to $3,000. I mean, it's been creeping up. It'll never go back down. But um, so, yeah, about $15,000 to make this project fly. And that's a lot to raise in 30 days or, you know, mm. whatever that time limit is. What if you yeah, did less? Well, is that possible? Then the price of the calendars go up. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. So, you know, that break point, <clears throat> that not the break-even point, but I can do it, you know, I, I can do 2,000 calendars, but my price would have to be like 25 bucks a calendar versus yeah. 15. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to print any less. Well, I'm interested to see if you can make that work, Bruce. We'll, we'll keep tabs on that and uh, we'll see, you know, try to check on the progress. Yeah, thanks. And what's going on with you? Like, tell, tell us about your businesses. How are things going during the crisis for you? So it got kind of carried away with making masks. Everybody was making masks, and I thought I would pass until I thought, well, I should make masks for us here on the property. And so then I went into my obsessive mode, and I, that in a combination <laughs> of watching too much Project Runway and combined a bunch of different <laughs> masks to get the best mask that fit everybody and made a few and put it out there to people to sell them and they're taken off. Uh, I'm selling them for 12 bucks each and people are stopping me on the street. I headed into Hilo yesterday and they stopped, you know, a couple friends yelled, hey, I messaged you, I want to. And I said, I got to. So it's nice. It's one of those things. Go with the flow. Right now, masks are needed and um, doing that. And hopefully painting some carps and, and things like that. But, you know, right now, that's what's happening. I've got some lava cider that's been fermenting, and that's going to be going out. People are calling me that are wanting that. It helps boost the immune system. It's a fermented um, apple cider vinegar-based elixir. And... It's really helping a lot of people. So I'm doing that. It's kind of like whatever is needed, you kind of fill in the blanks. And right now the day is filled making masks and shipping masks off. And, and Not to mention that. Indigo Shabori. It is. I've, I've kind of put that aside. I've got my vat still. 
my vats need to be fed and boosted up for me to get into it. But it's like right now, I'm kind of mostly drawn to doing this. I've been able to witness Anne in action here because my wife and I are living in the Airbnb on the property, which is, I guess, a long-term rental now. But uh, it's pretty interesting to see Anne going to work. Like, it's sort of a mad scientist thing. There's fabric flying, there's scissors, there's there's dye and vats of dye over here. There's beautiful carp that she's hand-painted. These carp kites, I forget what they're called. Korinobori. Korinobori. There we go. So there is a lot of... Uh, artwork and, and things and productivity happening here on the ground. It's yeah, cool we don't have see. a home, we have a studio. Yeah, it's a, it's a working <laughs> studio slash home. And you guys get to live in it. Lucky guys. <laughs> it's Anne's world, we're just living in it. That's right. I've said that many times. Living on the Big Island, it's it's getting creative. It's starting with you know what you love, what your interest is, and then finding a passion and then finding a niche, you know? Right now, it's like I've got a lot of different hats that I wear. You know, it's funny, and you I, you hit upon something. The Big Island, it's, I kind of joke, it's the gig island because there's a lot of people who are in the gig economy here, people hustling multiple jobs to make ends meet and make it work. And like you said, getting creative. And there's a lot of people around the world right now who, without a job, are going to have to get creative and um, sort of reinvent themselves and, and figure out what they can do. But, you know, um, Tim, th this island is really um, built for that. The people here, um, uh, by and large, don't work corporate jobs. They don't. They don't have that that um, one steady job. Some people do, but a lot of people don't. And so you find people here that that do, like you said, many jobs in the gig economy. You know, and what I learned when I moved here in 1984 is there are a lot of people here that do many different things, like Annie was talking about. Annie's done stained glass. She's done etched glass. She's done shibori. shibori. She's done um, um, just a lot of different art projects. She's done personal assistant. A lot of people do that kind of a thing when they, come, when they first come here. Some people stay doing that, but other people do it until they sift down to the one or the two or the three things that actually are the most <laughs> productive for them, that they enjoy the most, that make the most money. You know? and, but it's, you kind of need to do that for a while to keep your head above water. You know, and if you're doing enough, I remember when I when I first understood that was I was traveling around the island with a friend of mine and we met some people and they they did the flea market on Saturday. They uh, bred cats. They did stained glass. They had all these different things. And, you know, I, I finally figured out that's what you need to do to stay alive until you figure out what it is that works for you, you know. And that's probably a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people are going to be doing that around the country now, around the world, I suppose, because things have been turned upside down. Hey, you guys, let's tell everybody about our new website. On HawaiianTimePodcast.com. Well, that's a mouthful. Can everybody say that? On HawaiianTimePodcast.com. Okay, close enough. <laughs> First, before we do anything else, we have to mention that um, during our podcast, we may be endorsing products that we use and love. And if you purchase them, the product, we may earn a little bit of coffee money. 
At no cost to you, of course. But we'll never back a product unless we really believe in it. Yeah, so it's a win-win. So we just launched on HawaiianTimePodcast.com, and we're pretty excited about it. Yeah, Ann and I have been doing a lot of research leading up to this podcast. And in addition to the audio component, you know, there's other things that go into a podcast, including a website. Yeah, I've been using Bluehost for many years, hosting other websites I build, and I've been really happy with them. Good service and... Uh, you always get through. If there's anybody else out there considering doing a podcast or even a website, go to our website on hawaiiantimepodcast.com. We've got all the links there and uh, everything else you need to kind of get started. Check out our merch there too. What have we got for them, Bruce? T-shirts, stickers, mugs, everything else under the sun. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll see our new logo there, specially designed by our friend Joel Marcus of M Inc. out of Salem, Massachusetts. Thanks so much, Joel. Appreciate that. Love that logo. So, you know, some of the things that I think are kind of interesting about um, our situation now with COVID-19 and isolating and having to stay home um, is it gives us a different perspective on life. And I've been finding some things on, on Facebook lately, on the internet lately, that I think are pretty interesting. This is one from um, a guy in Belfast, Ireland, and he's on the COVID response team there. And he writes, when you go out and you see the empty streets, the empty stadiums, the empty train platforms, don't say to yourself, it looks like the end of the world. What you're seeing is love in action. What you're seeing is that negative space, is how much we do care for each other, for our grandparents, for our parents, for our brothers, our sisters, for people we will never meet. People will lose jobs over this. Some will lose their businesses and some will lose their lives. All the more reason to take a moment when you're out on your walk, out on your way to the store, or just watching the news to look into the emptiness and marvel of all that love. Let it fill you and sustain you. It isn't the end of the world. It's the most remarkable act of global solidarity we may ever witness. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I really like that. You nice. know, there's, it's more than just saying, oh, wow, those guys are doing a great job. You know, kudos to them. It's, it's a matter of, of the people of the world coming together, you know, coming together as one. And um, something we've talked about and envisioned and thought about and, and probably thought, I for one, thought would never happen. Yeah. You know, and here it is, is happening, maybe, or so it seems, in a behind an event that seems absolutely disastrous. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting perspective. Yeah, very profound. Yeah. Was it John Lennon who said, everything will be all right in the end, and if it's not all right, it's not the end. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I think, I hope it was John Lennon. I hope I got that right. I mean, it was to the point of what would it take for everybody to stay home? You know, what would what would happen? And and I look forward to seeing, you know, environmentally what we find comes oh, yeah. out of all of this. Oh, yeah. This is fabulous for the climate, for the planet. Did yeah. you see the photo of downtown Los Angeles recently? It was the clearest yeah. it's ever looked. Yeah. And they said for... And this was a little while ago, but for like three straight weeks, the pollution level in LA was the lowest it's been in 50 years. Wow. I mean, that's Amazing. crazy. Yeah. How else could you get yeah. everyone off those oh, highways? No, you couldn't. You couldn't. This is <laughs> the virus that did that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, 
Did you guys see that set of photos that somebody posted of all the beaches around the Big Island? Empty. Being so empty. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Because you never, ever see it like that. Yeah. What beach do you miss the most right now, Bruce? If you could go to any beach on the Big Island, and you can't unless you do it illegally. And I know you wouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, not Bruce. What, what, What beach do you miss the most? What beach? I love Hapuna. That's where I used to spend a lot of time as a kid, body surfing and fishing. Yeah, it's about a, I think it's about a quarter mile long, maybe half mile long, Hoyt Sand Beach. Um, like it's a, it's surrounded by lava rock, but there's this beautiful stretch of pristine white sand. And uh, of course, now there's a resort, you know, built at one end, but the beach is beautiful. The, the water is so clean and blue there and yeah, love it there. The resorts really back away from the beach too. You can't hardly see it. It's yeah. It's not like a lot of resorts that are right on the beach. Yeah, it's not right on, but you know, well, that resort yeah. brings people with it. Yeah. yeah, that was a big fight <laughs> back then too. Yeah. Remember? Oh yeah. About whether to yeah, have the it. Beaches hasn't been the same ever since they built that resort. Yeah. But did we go you know, to sixty nine down the beach. road from there? Yeah, that's a Love gorgeous 69. one too. Used to be able yeah. to drive drive down uh, the road to 69 before they made it into a, a real place and drive all the way right onto the beach. Uh-huh. We used to go down. You weren't yeah. supposed to camp down there, but we used to go down and spend the night down there. I love that beach. Just, because there are trees. Yeah. One thing I don't like about Apuna is the trees are all back away from the beach. And that 69, yeah. all the trees are right at the beach. So you can actually sit underneath yeah. a tree and be on the beach. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous place. I like Machlavena. I haven't been to Machlavena for a long time. Yes. Have you? Oh, yeah. That's another beautiful Oh, one. man. Yeah, I haven't been there for a few years. Yeah, stunning. Yeah, gorgeous place. Which one is that? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know if I've been to that one. Machlavena is uh, the Kailua side of the big pu'u that's down there. There's only one cinder cone on the Makai side of the road. Isn't that near um, Kua Bay? Yeah, Kua Bay is on the other side. Okay. And, and when you pass the cinder cone, then there's a road that takes you down. Worst road ever. Ever. I mean, awful, awful <laughs> road. But uh, once you get down there, you can actually walk that road as fast as you can drive it. <laughs> or faster. <laughs> yeah. It's true. But yeah. when you get down to the, to the ocean, then you're driving on like a coral and, and lava rock road. And that winds around and goes into the entrance. Of, it's Bishop Estate property. And there used to be a gate. There used to be actually be able to go to Kealakekua and get a key to that gate and go down and, and drive in through that gate and lock it back up. And you could spend the night down there and then take the key back when you left. And when you first drive in, it's Ironwoods and, and to the left, away from the ocean, is uh, or there was a wildlife preserve. I don't know how, how um, much water is left in it now. It's lost a lot of water. But there were still Hawaiian stilts and ducks and you know, all kinds of, of bird life. And uh, it was a really, it's a really cool place. And then beyond that are three crescent-shaped white sand beaches that are just stunning. I mean stunning. Mm. And you, you can sit on that beach. That, it's kind of a fooler, though. You can sit on that beach and the wind comes right off the water and keeps you cool. 
So the, the good news is it's pleasant and swimming is nice. It's really easy. But the bad news is you can get really burned <laughs> because you don't know what's happening. You know, you can't feel it. You're, you don't get hot. Oh, and there's a queen's bath there too. Behind the beach, there's a little brackish water pond that you can get in and rinse off and get the salt off. And I love that beach. We used to go down there and spend days down there. It was great. I just think about the sun and I get a sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> sun is not my friend. Yeah. But there are some amazing beaches for sure. What's everybody watching to keep themselves occupied on Netflix and the various streaming platforms? Contagion. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> what is Contagion? Well, Contagion is a, a movie that was filmed back in like 2010 or 2011. I think it was released in 12. And uh, the technical advisor for the movie, I forget his name, but he was instrumental in uh, wiping out smallpox. So he's a world-renowned epidemiologist. And he wrote a either a book or a paper about uh, the potential for uh, a pandemic. And that movie is so eerily similar to what we're going through right now. It's mind-blowing. You know, a lot of the terms that we're hearing every day now, you know, on the news about social distancing and um, the R-naught factor and everything, I mean, all those things are in that movie, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, you guys got to watch it. Seriously. I'm trying to think of some of our favorite ones. Well, um, we just finished Ozark. Yep, that was really good. That was, that good. was the third season of Ozark. Third season, yeah. On Netflix. Yep. So we just finished watching uh, Halt and Catch Fire. It's great uh, drama about the kind of history of the making of, of computers and coming into personal personal use. It was great. Hmm. That's on Netflix? Netflix. Mm. Yep. I've got a joke for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> Do you hear about the masochist that was walking down the street and he ran into a sadist? Mm -hmm. The masochist said, hurt me, hurt me. And the sadist said, no. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Did you hear about the magician that walked down the street and turned into a restaurant? <laughs> think about it. Come on, Took think about it. <laughs> Do we want to you encourage are, this? You know, or you not? guys are a tough audience. You know, really. Uh, what else you got? You got be, any more? I'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> so, what did one volcano say to the other volcano? Have you stopped smoking yet? <laughs> <laughs> what does one volcano say to the other volcano? I lava you. Oh! Yay. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be I'm erupting so what, for your love. So what did one what what did the what did one volcano say to the other volcano? Can we just hear this? I lava is you. It, is there an echo here? I lava you. No. <laughs> no. You rock. Oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> See, Bruce is way better than I am. You should do the daily joke of the day there, Bruce. Bruce, did you write so those? So what's that one? Oh, he's no. still on a roll. <laughs> a Kaiser roll. What does one volcano say to the other volcano? I don't know. You're hot. <laughs> <laughs> 
did you you show us your kids or did your kids sell these to you? Why did this happen? No, these are jokes that I learned when I was I was stuck on that stupid school bus and I couldn't go outside and play in the sulfur filled air. See? Kids jokes. Bruce, why couldn't you get off the school bus? (laughs) Because I had asthma. Ah. So I was stuck in the bus. Making up jokes. And <laughs> yeah, uh, that's how I became obsessed with lava. Wait, if you have asthma, so tell us, tell us your yep. first encounter with the volcano. How old were you? When you could get out of the uh, bus. When I could get out of the bus. Man, shucks, that wasn't until later in life. When I was a kid, I can remember going to Halemauma'u when it was erupting. I think that was had to be like 1968 or something. And I had to stay in the car with my mom because both of us had asthma. But I can remember tons of people just walking past us, going out to the overlook to see that lava lake. And uh, yeah, that left a lasting impression on me. Missing out on the good stuff, you know? So what if you have asthma and you go out and see the volcano and the lava, what's, what's, what can happen to you? Can you die? Yeah. You can die. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Almost did a couple times. And so how, how is it that you can now go get close to the lava and the volcano? He's got balls. I'm not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, knowledge and preparation are the key like with everything else. So, I, you know, I get out there with my respirator and my inhaler, and I'm very cautious about how I approach the flows. So, you know, I was staying downwind and watching the wind for shifts and, uh, you know, just approach those areas of um, uh, gas, you know, fusing from the tubes, I avoid those areas. And are you thinking of your mom telling you you shouldn't be there? Oh, man. If she was alive, (laughs) she'd kill me. (laughs) (laughs) So how often do you have to use your respirator and your inhaler when you're out there? Uh, When I'm out shooting? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it depends if, uh, you know, if I got to get to an area where, to get the shot, if I got to, that means getting into an area where you know, there's a bit of gas, then, you know, I donned the, the respirator. But, um, yeah, when I start having wheezing issues, then uh, breathing issues, then I use my inhaler. Hmm. Yeah. Annie thinks she's hearing thunder out here, Bruce. Do you hear thunder? Yeah, it's thundering oh, out do. here. Oh, there you go. Actually, it might be picking up on my mic. I'm not sure. Haven't heard it's it. It's pretty loud. But we, we, I thought it was our guy next door who has a motorcycle, but <laughs> it's thunder apparently. Mick and yeah, Ann I thought and it I was are a janitor upstairs. <laughs> Mick and Ann and I are at Leilani Estates in Pahoa. Bruce, you're up in Hilo, about 25 miles north of us. Yeah, it was beautiful all day. Now it, I don't know. No, it's still nice. Not raining very much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not raining, but it's. Very heavily overcast. It's pretty dark out there. Thunder is pretty rare in Hawaii, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it yes. is. Yeah, it is. Although we've had more 
in the last year or two than we're used to, it seems to me. Ooh. And what's the secret sweepstakes word of this episode? The secret sweepstake word is Kilauea. Good luck Ooh. spelling that. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. They got to spell it they'll right. They'll have to Google it. Yeah, they'll have to spell it right. It is our volcano here on the island. K-I-L-A-U-E-A. So. Do they need to put the little line over the I? <laughs> That's for the contest or sweepstakes. Go to our website on hawaiiantimepodcast.com. Click on the button for the contest. Fill out the form and don't forget the secret sweepstakes word is Kilauea. <laughs> you can enter up to three times. There's three secret sweepstakes words, one in each of the first three episodes of this podcast. Hey, Mick, how does anyone find out more about our podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked, Bruce. If you go to onhawaiantimepodcast.com, you'll find everything you need to know about subscribing to the podcast. There are links there to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a bunch of others. Awesome. Awesome. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> There's show notes and links to things that we've been talking about. Also links to social media pages. Plus, we've got some great merch for sale. And we're running a contest for some free stuff while supplies last. I'd like to give a big mahalo out to our logo designer, Joel Marcus of M-Inc. Uh, we also have got Jamie Colazzo, a.k.a. Silverline Sound, mixing our podcast. We're really lucky to have him. He's been out here with us working on the volcano documentary as well. And, Wait a uh, minute, I thought he was a rock and roll star. Well, actually, he's a country star now. He's in Nashville Oh, now. well, that's kind <laughs> of rock and roll. Hard to keep up with him. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, please subscribe if you haven't already. Give us a review and rate us. That will really help us get noticed, and you can single-handedly help us out. You can get all of this and more on hawaiantimepodcast.com. Aloha. Aloha. See ya. Aloha. Mainlander says, see ya. I'm still not used to saying aloha and going like that. And shaka. When Nander and I are walking, people go by and I usually start with a wave and if they're doing a shaka, I switch to a shaka. <laughs> then I feel like an idiot. <laughs> you know, well, and this is different than this. It is? Yes. That frontward shaka is different than a backward shaka. This means fuck you. Yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We've got to keep an eye we on Tim like, in the neighborhood. His, his eyes just went, Ooh. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Uh, we got to work on that, Tim. <laughs> that's why they got rich for his gun, you know? So you're messing with me. <laughs> uh. See you. <laughs> Later. <laughs> <laughs>